Today on Office Hours with Karp and Loge, we talk about the past two weeks of Supreme Court decisions. What do you think? Is it going to be a happy conversation or a scary conversation? Tune in for hot takes, footnotes, a couple practical ideas for what to do, and Dave, me, freaking the hell out. Also, laser robot fish. Thank you, people. Welcome back to Office Hours with Carp and Loge, strategic communications hot takes with footnotes. As always, I am Peter Loge, an associate professor in the School of Media and Public Affairs at the George Washington University and a strategic communications consultant. And as always, my co-host is... Dave Carp. I am an associate professor in the School of Media and Public Affairs at George Washington University. You know, one of my favorite books growing up was by Douglas Adams. It's called The Restaurant at the End of the Universe. It is the podcast at the end of democracy. Let's get into it. Office Hours of Carbon Lodge. It's been quite the uh, quite the couple of weeks. Not great, Bob. Not great. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm attesting metaphors. And, and at this point, I'm, I've sort of landed on um, our, our democracy is like a plate of jello melting in the hot Arizona sun. What do you think? Yeah, because what that really calls to mind is what our democracy needs most of all is to get the hell out of Arizona. <laughs> I did. I came here. Where I think it was Arizona last night, uh, we're recording this on a Saturday, that all of the Republican governor candidates uh, were having a debate and all of them agreed that to claim that the 2020 election wasn't stolen uh, is disqualified. Those are all the candidates for governor in Arizona and it's going to be a close race. It's, yeah. That's American a- democracy had a good run. I do. I do recommend it. we're going to we're going to keep coming back to this. Representative Liz Cheney, uh, who many of you may recall from the January 6th hearings, was in the there's a she's being primaried by a, a clown car of clowns in Wyoming. And there was clips of, of, a, of a candidate's forum or debate the other night where it was something else. If you're if you live in Wyoming, a Republican is going to represent you in the House. Please, for the love of all that is just and right and good vote for Liz Cheney in the primary. I, I disagree with her on almost everything, but she's sane and she's a grown up and she believes in something other than conspiracy theories and herself. Let me, let me tell you an interesting aside about that. So one of the things that I've studied for about a decade now is digital fundraising for the two parties. And I mostly study the Dems, but I get a lot of calls from reporters about Republican fundraising and their attempts to do the same thing. So I've kept an eye on WinRed, which is now after 2020, the fundraising portal for Republicans. Liz Cheney is not allowed on WinRed. She cannot fundraise through them. That's where they are as a party. Not just a sitting member of Congress, a sitting member of Congress whose last name is Cheney isn't allowed on the party's fundraising apparatus. They're doing great. It's it's a mess there. I, I get a lot of Republican fundraising emails, get calls from the same reporters probably. Republicans are raising money criticizing uh, Liz Cheney, very conservative member of the House of Representatives. And actually, General uh, Lieutenant General Flynn is also raising money on the WinRed platform. Help me court martial Joe Biden. Uh, WinRed is, they're the bad guys. If you look at the ethics of online fundraising, the ethics of digital politics, everything that is the bad guys, the automatic recurring donations, it's the sign the petition. Oh, it's not really a petition. We're asking you for money. It is, it is yowza bad. The Democrats are their own version. Uh, They've got one firm that are that are bad actors, kind of the, the burn it down people. All right, people, before we get into it, if you like what you've heard so far, and why wouldn't you? Because this is a cheery, happy way to spend 
send you for the July week. Uh, rate us on Spotify or iTunes. Follow us. Give us five stars or two stars. I don't really care. Just some some level of affirmation. No, I boy. care. Please give us five stars. You <laughs> <laughs> don't care. That's true. I do. Care. I do. You care. ever heard of a professor who doesn't care about his about his uh, course ratings? Come on. That, that's no. That's that's a fair point. I I do obsessively check Amazon for my book sales and ratings. For, for my, my soccer book, by the way, a bunch of five stars. One person gave it one star. Somebody really, really hated it. No comments, no nothing. But there's this one guy. I don't want to find out who it is. Go like, what did you? What did I do? Like, wow. Read as follows. Tell your friends. All right. Uh, we are starting with. There's a lot of bad news. There's some weird news. There's some tips. Stay tuned for the whole shebang. Dave, you you feel like we have to start with the courts? Yeah, I feel like. If we're talking every two weeks about political communication, mostly in America, story of the past two weeks has been the Supreme Court deciding that they have six justices. That means that they can make the law. Those six justices can just set the law of the land. And uh, Preston doesn't matter. Like nothing else matters. They get to rule. This has included uh, the two of us being wrong for a minute because we, we thought that there would be no gun legislation. Gun legislation passed. It was... Uh, pretty small, but as we discussed in the last pod, it small is, is good, I think, in this case, because it is a step forward where you will get other bites of the app. But then that was overshadowed because just as they were passing that, the court weighed in and said, you know what, actually, when they said well-regulated militia in the Second Amendment, they, they didn't mean it. What they meant was no regulations and re- no real need for a militia, just everybody gets a gun, which kind of dampens what would otherwise be a real strategic win to celebrate because it's hard to celebrate the moderate national win when you just found out that all state and local wins and probably national wins will just get gutted so long as these six justices have their opinions. Um, Then they overturned Roe. Now we knew this was coming because of the leak, which by the way, have you noticed that now that it's no longer strategically useful for Republicans to dwell on who leaked? We're not talking about it anymore. That's because it was absolutely one of the Republican justices or the clerks who leaked. But they they overturned Roe. We are now, that is a Rubicon that has been crossed. We now live in post-Roe America. I'm fully convinced that it just gets worse from here. I, I don't know that the country survives that. Then they had the EPA ruling, which was actually less bad than I feared. I thought they were going to overturn the entire administrative state. Instead, they hinged it on what they call the major questions doctrine, which translates to uh, we can have an administrative state on everything except things that we six justices decide the administrative state shouldn't do. A major question doesn't include things like women's health care, but it does include what specific regulations can the EPA pass uh, under the Clean Air Act, which was already passed. So basically, that is, again, them just saying from now on, we rule by judicial fiat. By the way, we don't get elected anymore. What are you going to do about it? And then just as sort of a cherry on top, they announced that they're taking up uh, an elections case for next year, which four of them have already signed on to it. It's called, I think, the Independent State Legislature Doctrine, which essentially means that gerrymandered swing states that are so gerrymandered at the state level, it's impossible for Democrats to win, no matter how many votes they get, that those state legislatures can just toss out electoral votes and decide whatever they want because they want to. They have at least four votes for that as well. If a fifth justice sides with them, like Amy Coburn Barrett decides sure, I don't really care about democracy, then we don't really have elections anymore. So yeah, I'd say it's been a bad two weeks. 
All right. So again, plate of jello melting the hot Arizona sun. And yet get out of there. I'm leaving. I am. I'm going to, I'm getting on a plane in a couple hours, but we want something to do about it. Right. I mean, you, you devote a tremendous amount of time and an emotional energy to, to raising your children and to your students, uh, teaching and parenting are profoundly optimistic um, activities. I've spent my career working in politics, not just politics, but on the democratic side, which is, an optimistic endeavor, right? So there's got to be something to do. And, and I think the question for strategic communications professionals and for students is what do we, in the face of all of this, other than vote harder, what do we do? I think it's important for us to recognize the boundaries of the possible here and how much they're, they're strict. One thing that I talked about to my students about actually in the spring, knowing that case like this was probably going to come down is how unique the comms challenge is because this is happening while Democrats, while the status quo is Democrats in the White House and the House and the Senate. If Roe had been over, overturned when Trump and the Republicans ran everything, you have a very simple message. You don't like the status quo. Give us power in November and we will change it. Here it's more difficult because here the message is, unless they get more clear and more detailed, which is going to be my advice, you don't like the status quo. Keep us in charge. Keep the status quo as is, and uh, we'll get to it later. And in particular, this points to a debate that I've been seeing on Twitter between Democrats who are outraged at other Democrats that uh, they're blaming Biden and the Dems for this mess when it was the Republicans that did this, and Democrats who are saying, okay, but do something. Challenge here is this isn't the Democrats' fault. It's not Biden's fault, but it is his responsibility. We can't vote out Supreme Court justices. All we can do is vote in more Dems. So the question is, okay, what are you going to do with that? November is going to be important, but November is four months away. So in the meantime, I think it is important both to donate money to abortion funds, because things are going to get very hard for people on the ground in an awful lot of states, more states probably than you think. There are a bunch of states that currently have Democrats in control, um, but not by a large enough margin to repeal the law from 80 years ago that's just gone back into effect. Find ways to actually help on the ground as you can right now. And also protest loudly and intensely now with the plans of helping to vote later. Because again, this is a Rubicon moment. And we absolutely don't survive if conservative elites walk away from this saying, you know what, we were able to overturn Roe and they spent a weekend complaining and then we went back about our business. From there, they go on to say, how do we construct Gilead as fast as possible? If instead they walk away from this saying, oh God, the country's falling apart and we don't like the country falling apart because then people might take our shit. And then you turn that into outrage also in November, then maybe you start repairing the country at least slowly because maybe they start to realize that advising the country to become ungovernable is a problem if we take the advice. So I think, I think all of that makes a lot of sense. And there's some specific things to do and things we'll put in the, on my Medium page and on theaterloach.com slash podcast. One is help local um, abortion efforts, access, things like that. We put links up when we talked about Roe and Malik a while ago. Uh, the second is when you're donating, you're donating to campaigns and candidates. Dave and I both agree. Donate and races where it will matter. That means stop throwing money at lost causes and stop throwing money at, at people who are going to win anyway. 
right? Look at down ballot races, look at endangered incumbents, look at challengers you could actually win, look at state legislative races, governors, city councils, mayors, things like that. Uh, there's a, a somebody doing a good job of compiling a list of those things and I'll also put those races that I'll put in in the links as well. But I think you make a really good point, right? So one, one of the challenges I see and that I've noticed in my own thinking is um, we're squirrel chasing and we need to stop chasing squirrels. Some of the squirrels are who leaked the opinion. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, right? One squirrel we saw in, in the January 6th hearing last week is the Secret Service is denying the president lunged at the steering wheel. Right, that's that's a squirrel. Right, the point is he wanted to lead an angry armed mob. He knew were armed and weren't coming for him. Stop chasing the squirrel. It's also tempting to then say, oh, oh, guns, oh, climate, oh, next year. And now I'm just chasing the next thing, the next thing. I think it's exhausting. It's in disempowering. One of the things that advocates need to do is is tie all of this together as you did. Say these are fundamental threats. We need to keep reminding people these are threats and keep the press attention on. January 6th. How guilty is Trump? How complicit are Trump's buddies and, and, and others in the White House? Why isn't Trump admitting complicity? Right? Just keep the attention there because if the attention is on January 6th. You keep reminding voters matters and it locks something else out of the conversation. The agenda is a zero sum game. If something's on it, something else isn't. The second is then these undemocratic moves. The Supreme Court is a political body overruling the will of the people. Conservative Republicans are overruling the will of the people. We've seen it here in Roe. We've seen it on guns. We're seeing it on climate. We're seeing it on those out of control people. Now you're defining an entire wing. Like I wouldn't go with ultra MAGA, which is like an energy drink as we've discussed. I would also look for things one can do locally. Right. So if you're an advocate or you're you're a comms professional, you're interested in this stuff, uh, write letters to to the editor for your local newspaper. If you are lucky enough to still have one saying, repeating these things out of control, out of touch, Republicans are overruling the will of the people. We're seeing them bang, 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 bang. If there are things your locality could do on on climate, for example, get involved in that. Right. What can we do here in River City, right? Phoenix is working on electric cars. It's a big, hot place. There's lots of driving. Where can we put solar farms? Where can we build wind farms, right? What are the specific local things we can do? It can't all be about November. Last thought on this, uh, something that you pointed out earlier earlier in the week is um, AOC is doing a lot of interesting messaging on this, including identifying the number of seats. Don't just say, oh my gosh, we have to hold the Senate. We need two seats in. We need to win five house races in. That's a number I can hang on to it. It's manageable and it feels doable. The Dems are going to lose the house, right? I mean, that's a math thing. If we can hold these three seats, things are this much better. Because if I'm completely disempowered and my only option is vote in November, and I live in Washington, D.C., it doesn't really matter, then like I'm not coming back from my trip next week. I'm largely agree with that. I don't think the messaging Dems are going to lose in November, like lose the house in November. No, I wouldn't lead with that. I wouldn't say, look, we're doomed. Let's be less doomed. I I wrote a bit on Twitter this week about what I see as a lack of catastrophic imagination from a lot of democratic elites. Um, And I want to dwell on that for a second because the, there's a set of things that you do in normal times. And by normal times, I mean, essentially your entire lifetime and my entire lifetime in politics. I think we need to, try to imagine what it means to no longer be in normal times. And I don't have a solution here. I've just got 
a set of problems to point out to people. This is not a legitimate court. A difficulty in saying and knowing that this is not a legitimate court, it is not acting with legitimacy, is okay, what does that mean? Right? Like whether or not you and I think they are acting legitimately, whether or not the New York Times editorial board pens endless op-eds or you know uh, unsigned editorials saying this is no longer a legitimate court, they still have lifetime appointments until and unless congressional majority changes it and getting the votes for that is pretty tough. So what, what would it mean to live in a world with a court that is simply illegitimate? What do we do with that? And the honest answer is, I don't know. I've never lived in that world. I think for our listeners, like not to go full hair on fire, though, that, that is my role on this pod, but I want to encourage our listeners not to avoid that set of questions just because it's a gaping maw that we don't yet know the answer to. Even if November ends up being not as bad for Dems as we expected, because between January 6th and these court cases, there's now much higher stakes that make this an unusual election. But let's say that it's not as bad for Democrats as, as we assume. That isn't a solution to an illegitimate court that is going to continue ruling by judicial fiat. It's not clear, even with the January 6th hearings being a lot more effective, and, and particularly this week, I mean, Cassie Hutchinson, I did not expect to hear in these hearings that he said, take the, the manatometers down, they're not here to shoot me. On one level, that, that means that these hearings really matter, and I think now might actually lead the Justice Department charging the guy. Even if they charge him, he's probably still the nominee and, and therefore ends up having about a 50-50 shot of becoming president again. What does it mean to live in that world? I don't have an answer to it because I've never lived in that world. But I think we need to expand our catastrophic imagination because the likelihood that we continue having the democracy that we're, you and I have always lived in is falling by the day. So, but I think there, there are a couple of important parts here, right? Like, yes, all of those things are true. Like, I'm not sure I agree in the handicapping on, on Trump getting elected, but then also all the numbers at this point don't matter. Like, I know there's new polling from Emerson College polling, for example, that has something Trump beating Biden in 24. That, that, that's a pointless data point at this point. There has to be a solution. Like, so, okay, what are the solutions? Okay, what are the solutions? And we have to think creatively about those solutions because if there are no solutions, I am giving up. And, I, and if you give up, then we're done, right? So we have to do something. You can either participate in a positive change or be the victim of the guy who does. I would rather take ownership of it, right? And so I think some of the things we can do are keep reminding each other that this is a solvable problem. It's a huge problem. We have to spend more time and energy than we otherwise might want to, but this is solvable. Here are some ways to solve it. One, donate to candidates for who, who can win, and who your hundred bucks makes a difference for. Two, in your local area, get involved and advocate for things that will advance climate solutions, that will promote and protect the right to privacy. Three, publicly talk about a bunch of extremists taking away rights and undoing, attacking American values. Letters to the editor, social media, talk to your friends, tell people to listen to this podcast where we keep repeating it. For example, like, but if there aren't specific things to do, then like, why bother? And doom is just not a motivating, like, I'm going to hide under the bed. You know, the earth is going to fall into the sun at some point. I spend no time worrying about it because it's in the future and I can't do anything about it. 
right? But I've got to be at Dulles Airport in a few hours. I got to bust to get there because that's a solvable problem. Mm-hmm. And a big problem based on everything I'm reading about airports in July of 2022. How do we solve the problem of the six, six, three quart? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that we can solve the issue of, we can advocate for local protections for voting. We can advocate for local abortion rights. I raised this at dinner with a couple of friends of ours the other night, very smart people. Uh, I would love to know the, the percentage of the American people who believe we have a right to privacy in this country. And my guess is it's a relatively high percentage. And we don't. And what vestige of it we had was taken away in DOPS. Do we advocate now for rights? There's a right to privacy in the California Constitution. Do we advocate for right to privacy in other constitutions? How do we message this stuff, right? And then how do we also elevate and reward sane, reasonable members of the political opposition like Liz Cheney, right? Because if Liz Cheney gets rewarded for behaving like an actual functioning adult and people who don't get punished, then we're going to have more people like Liz Cheney. Again, I'm going to put this link in in PeterLodge.com podcasts and on on the Medium page. Her speech at the Reagan Library last week was lights out. Right. She leads with inside baseball. I love being here with my dad. I'm a conservative Republican. Here's why. Bang, 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 bang. But you cannot be a Republican and support Donald Trump and the U.S. Constitution. You cannot do both. You can either support Trump or you can support the Constitution. As a Republican, you cannot do both. And she was clear and precise. The problem is if Liz Cheney loses her primary after the lights out speech. I, I, I've said many times before, only the Republican Party can fix the Republican Party. The problem right now is that Liz Cheney is the sole elected Republican um, beside Adam Kinziger, who's, who's retiring. She's the only one standing up. If she gets primaried, then that means the Republican Party has decided, all right, if we got to choose between Trump and the Constitution, cool, we're going with Trump with a backup plan of like whoever can sound most like Trump if he doesn't run. But again, that puts us in a world where the solution of, okay, the same Republicans need to win. If they ain't winning in 22, what are we at? Like, what are the things that we can actually do over the next couple of years? Right, right. Lots and lots of doom. Lots of reasons to be really pessimistic. But I think locally, find Liz Cheney isn't the only grown-up Republican in America. She's the only one on the national stage in Congress up for re-election getting primary. There are probably many more in um, state and local areas, right? Some people point to governors like, like Baker and Hogan. In, in Maryland, there's a, a Republican primary for governor. The Democrats are promoting uh, the far-right Republican candidate Cox. There's a more moderate Republican candidate who's been endorsed by Larry Hogan. If that person gets to the primary, that's evidence that at least in states overwhelmingly democratic, but they, but they also elect Dem- or Republican governors, just as Massachusetts does. It would help a lot if the Democratic Party stopped elevating big lie supporters and crazy Republicans in primaries. I'm not sure if it would help a lot. It, but I, I don't care if it will help a lot. I need to help a little. But the one theme that I have here, again, under the, the branch of, I think we need to engage our catastrophic imagination and accept that we don't have answers. The one theme that I have here is resisting in capital letters. That if elite American democracy is going to return from this brink, it's going to be because the elites look over, look at what comes next and say, you know, actually, maybe this isn't great for us. 
Like, I think right now they are reading Ayn Rand and they are reading uh, Handmaid's Tale and saying, Gilead sounds great, let's do it. And if instead they are looking at libertarian fantasy land uh, from Ayn Rand and saying, oh, you know what, actually, this is just a shitty novel. And maybe we need things like civil society. Uh, if they're reading Handmaid's Tale and saying, oh, but you know, actually, there's these resistance networks that end up being really bad for Gilead. Maybe they start saying that the compromise they've always had between white supremacy and democracy is one that they, like, rather than choosing white supremacy and rejecting the democracy, maybe they decide, you know, what, we need to keep on compromising because we don't like what comes after democracy either. That only happens if the resistance gets more hairy and frightening so that they feel less comfortable. The amount of comfort that they seem to have, again, I was speculating this on Twitter, it seems to me historically noteworthy that on Thursday last week, they said there's basically no regulating of guns. And on Friday last week, they took fundamental rights away from half of the population. So we're going to take away your fundamental rights. You have no legitimate recourse. Hey, here's a gun. That ought to, like, if I was a Supreme Court justice, that would scare me more. Because the story that's telling is one that ends up being real frightening for me, even though I'm an elite. I'm not calling for violence, because that's going to go real bad for people like me. Let's be clear. It's going to go real bad. People like me don't own guns and know how to shoot them. So I'm not calling for violence. I am suggesting that right now our elites are not nervous enough about what happens if they sabotage democracy outright, and they need to get more worried. So resist real loud. Right. So with that, with an eye to the clock. This has been a fun episode. Where, right? where you can and as exactly. you can, you know, keep elevating the fundamental threats to democracy. Again, letters to the editor <laughs> online. But there is a solution and we can get to the solution and we're going to get there a piece at a time. You know, democracy, jello takes a long time to melt, even in the hot Arizona sun. So let's keep throwing ice at the jello and, and hope for the best. A couple of other things I do want to highlight before we before we duck out of here, because things can always, always get worse. This is the how the world is absolutely going to get worse. According to The Guardian, scientists have developed small plastic eating robot fish with lasers in their tails and they can repair themselves when they get damaged. And so the idea is these little fish move like little fish and they, they eat plastic. And if something happens, the fish can, can fix themselves and there are lasers in their tails. This is like the new Sharknado it, franchise. It's still my idea. I'm definitely going to do this. I'm definitely <laughs> going to do it. This is holy cow. What could possibly go wrong with laser enabled robot fish that can repair their own damage? Hey, I've got an actual bright side, though. Oh, good. We like these. We like, yes. Oh, oh, time's up. Sorry, time's up. We can't get to that this week. Crypto has continued to tank. You should, listeners, find the worst person you know and give them a hug because they've lost a lot of money on crypto over the past few months. (laughs) But look, the actual bright side there is the returns from cryptocurrency, that weird betting market, has put too much economic power uh, and far too much self-assuredness in the hands of some of the worst people you know. And they have been behaving with impunity in terrible ways. They're now learning just a little bit of humility as they keep buying the dip and then it keeps on dipping. And bad people with too much power ending up with less of it and maybe getting some humility is exactly how we return from the brink. 
So let's build on that feeling. Uh, I joked on Twitter the other day when uh, cryptocurrency, uh, Bitcoin dropped from 20,000 to 19,000, almost a thousand points in a day. And so I said, be optimistic. We just need 19 more days like this. So this is this want to be optimistic in American politics. We need powerful people who behave in unscrupulous manners to lose power and then feel shame. That's what passes for good news in, in the head of Dave Carp. Um, I, I'm excited. There we go. And learn the bow staff, everybody. Learn the bow staff. The, the U.S. Uh, U-20 men's soccer team qualified for the Olympics for the first time in a long time. That was good news. See, that's good news. That's good news. But again, I come back to plastic eating robot fish with lasers in their tails. What are, what are you looking forward to now and when our listeners next year about how everything's actually worse than they thought it was when they tuned in? <laughs> uh, I'm curious what's next in the January 6th hearings because I keep shooting my head up at what just happened on the TV and being surprised. And surprises would be good right now, right? Like it, when the trajectory is bad, what you want is surprises. So I'm hoping for some more surprises from that over the next two weeks. I agree. I agree. I think the January 6th hearings are, are the things to watch. And I love that my, my lovely young wife is reporting them and we're watching them together in the evening and it pops up on our screen. We're playing it back as um, season one, episode, whatever. <laughs> So it actually looks like it says the same thing as Stranger Things does as we as we watch it, which only seems appropriate. Things keep getting stranger. People want to learn more about the gloom and doom in the life of Dave Karp. Where can they find you online? Uh, they should follow me on Twitter at Dave Karp or subscribe to my Substack, DaveKarp.substack.com. Uh, it is just a barrel of laughs. I go super dark all the time, but you can't say I'm wrong. How about you? <laughs> like- <laughs> On this podcast, just Dave Carp without my my optimism. PLO. Podcast is optimism versus pessimism. My pessimism is clearly winning. Like the, the the logo is a devil versus an angel. My wife asked me if she looked at it. She was like, "Are you the devil or the angel?" I was like, "What do you think?" She was like, "You're the devil." We know. Look around. We know who's winning. <laughs> just I'm pragmatically optimistic. I'm on Twitter at plogepeterloge.com backslash podcast for, for the podcast stuff. Rate us, tell your friends, follow us. I'm going to try to drop a link into the show notes for where you can learn the bow staff. That's what you're going to need in the future to come. Yeah, always do. Good. good night, everybody. Bye, everybody.